This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com. Good morning. We're going to continue in our series on marriage today, and we're going to talk about true friendship. So if you're taking notes, you can write that down. Um, also, you can follow along on version If you brought your, um, your, your iPad or, or your phone that has the Bible app in it, just go ahead and look for a live event in your area, and you can follow along on that as well. I am honored today to be joined by my wife on stage. Uh, in case you didn't know, this is my wife, Holly. And uh, we have been married for 12, going on 13 years. And we've known each other for... Uh, 13 years, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and and we have just, I think, one of the uh, uh, core things of our marriage and our relationship is our friendship, and uh, that how that's helped us uh, through the years, and how we've always remained friends, and uh, how we started out. So tell the folks a little bit about how we started out. I um, grew up in one church my whole life, and my family still attends this church, and we had never had a real youth pastor before. And uh, our pastor hired this guy. He, at the time, as you saw in the video, was tall, skinny, redheaded guy. And um, so he became our youth pastor, and we began to hang out together um, a lot and just built our friendship. I think for two weeks straight, we hung out every day together, just doing all sorts of fun stuff. And I was moving on up to youth staff. I was 19 at the time. And so I was... And I was 18. She's cradle robber. I am. (laughs) So I was helping him, you know, and just getting to know him. And the more our friendship built, the more I just, I guess, fell in love with you. That's right. That's right. Um, I got there uh, as the youth pastor two weeks out of high school. uh, This church hired me as a youth pastor. And uh, it was just crazy. I was 18 years old, two weeks out of high school. And honestly, I'm not just saying this, okay? Um, but when I went to the church, I was still living at home, okay, so after the Sunday service, I went back home, and my mom asked me, she said, well, Derek, how was the, how was the church? You know, you think that uh, you're, you're going to start going there and, and being the youth pastor? And I said, well, I said the church was fine. I said, but there was this girl there, and uh, I began to describe Holly, and I said, this is the most beautiful girl I've ever seen in my life, and I just began to just talk about, oh my gosh, I just couldn't believe, you know, and, uh, and then to get to know her more and began to... Uh, uh, we went to church camp, spent a lot of time there, um, and uh, just had a, a lot of fun building our friendship and our relationship. And uh, whenever I began to um, date or whatever you want to call it, I don't really believe in dating in the traditional sense as much as I believe in courtship. Uh, so when I go out uh, looking for someone, I'm not looking for someone just to spend time with to fill some uh, seeming void in my life. I am actually going out, you know, looking for a spouse at this time in my life. So when uh, we start talking about potentially dating, basically what we mean is that are we compatible? Is this what the Lord has for us? Are you the person that God has for me? And that's how we approached our relationship when we started, uh, you know, courting, dating, whatever you'd like to call it. And our first date was on August the 8th of 2000. You see, I hesitated, but not very long. And August the 8th, we, we, we actually went out uh, to a restaurant, one of those restaurants that has the, uh, the, the, the paper tablecloths that you can draw on. They have the crayons there in the bucket, you know, and those are fun to go to. And we, me and Holly ha- like to have a lot of fun, and, and we're goofy and, and silly, and so we draw silly pictures, just make one another laugh. And drew pic- pictures. I drew, like, my name and flowers yeah, and Yeah, that's what girls do. They like to write their yeah. name and put flowers and stuff, you know, or <laughs> color Lisa Frank pictures. I don't know, unicorns and stuff. But... Um, <coughs> 
<laughs> Anyways, I, uh, I, I, I was drawing some pictures, trying to impress her maybe, um, because I'm a little artistic, you know, and so I'm, I'm drawing some pictures. We're having fun, laughing, just being silly. And one of the coolest things about um, Holly back then was that she had a 99 red Firebird, fully loaded, and I had a 1970 barely crank. And, um, <laughs> and so I got to drive her Firebird, right? This is the year 2000, so this car is still fairly new. You know, it's a pretty amazing car, and she's let me drive it. And here we are driving down these back roads in South Arkansas, just talking, getting to know one another. And uh, if you know anything about the South, there are deer everywhere. They're like cockroaches. I mean, they are seriously everywhere. The matter of fact, uh, if you're a hunter, the limit on how many deer you could kill this last hunting season was like eight. And that's how many deer there are. That's per person. So they're everywhere, all right? And uh, we ran upon this just whole horde of deer. I mean, there's probably, you know, 15, 20 deer. And um, my wife's going to correct me later and say there were three. But anyways... Um, <laughs> That's what wives do. They help you, <laughs> keep you accountable. But anyways, uh, let's just, there were 15,000 deer there, okay? <laughs> there were about 15, 20 deer, something like that there. And, uh, and, and I pull over, and I look at her, and I say, you want to go chase them? And she lights up. There's this look on her face like that's the best idea she's ever heard in her life. <laughs> and she said, yes. How are we going to do this? On the count of three. One, two, three. We run out of the car. We start chasing the deer. Had no idea what we were going to do if we caught one of them. But we were chasing those jokers. And we just ran all throughout the woods. And we laughed so hard chasing those stupid deer. And that was so much fun. And we always remember that. And, and when, when, when we had that date and all the fun that we had, I knew that this was someone that I could spend the rest of my life with because I was very particular in what I was looking for in a mate. I was very particular in what you know, I, I knew God wanted me to desire, first of all, and I knew what I was looking for as well, and she met and surpassed everything in so many different ways, and I looked at her two weeks after we had started dating, and I said, I'm going to marry you, and she looked at me, and she said, I know. And um, uh, three months. Women know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's just how I roll, fellas. And uh, <laughs> three, three, <laughs> three months later, we were engaged, and nine months later, we were married. And uh, here we are, almost thirteen years later, three kids later. Um, you know, and and as, as as pretty as our wedding video was, as perfect as everything went, everything beyond that hasn't always been perfect. Right. And uh, it, it it doesn't happen that way. I mean, we've, we've had to endure our fair share of, of things and, and good times, bad times, struggle together. But the thing is, is that true friendship is going to endure. True friendship is going to endure. We're going to talk about how the Bible defines friendship. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and go to the book of Proverbs, the 18th chapter. Proverbs 18. This is one of these instances in the Bible um, where we really need to be aware of what the Bible is saying in context. Um, the Bible, of course, was not written in the English language. It was translated uh, from you know, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. So when you see different phrases in the Bible, even though they're translated a certain way in English, sometimes we need to go to the original translation, and it's actually going to have a little bit deeper meaning. And this is one of those instances in Proverbs 18.24 where we see in the English language that there is the word friend used more than once. And any time you see the word uh, translated in English more than one time in a passage or, or, or in just a, a short scripture to, you can almost guarantee that it's, it's going to have a different meaning if it's used uh, more than once. So just use that as a little study uh, tool as well to kind of go back. And in Proverbs, this is one of those instances where it uses the word 
word friend, it's the same English word, but it is a different original Hebrew word. So let's read this together. Proverbs 18 and verse 24 says, A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So we see this instance of somebody who has friends must be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We see this word friend used multiple times in the first phrasing of this proverb is that someone who has friends must show himself friendly. That word friend is the Hebrew word rea. And what that word means is your buddy, your pal, your companion, somebody you enjoy hanging out with. But then it uses a different word when it says there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That word friend is the Hebrew word aheb. And the word aheb means a covenant partner, just like a marriage covenant relationship. So it's a lot deeper word. There's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. It's the same word that was used when the Bible refers to Abraham as a friend of God. It wasn't saying that Abraham was God's buddy and they went you know, fishing together and arm wrestled and all kinds of things like that. It was saying that Abraham is a covenant relationship partner with God. And that's what that's talking about. And, and so what is exactly covenant friendship versus that Rhea friendship? Um, well, the Rhea is a conditional friendship. In Proverbs, it says a man who has friends must first show himself friendly. That's covenant. That's um, if you're going to have friends, you must. And then there's the, the conditional. Sorry, not covenant. Must show yourself friendly. Um, you know, Rhea friendship is like a buddy, a neighbor. Um, you know, you have people that you love to hang out with and you have likes and maybe you grow apart you know maybe you grow up and maybe you don't like the same things that's conditional uh the aheb friendship is unconditional it's the way that god loves us it's the way that spouses should love each other it's unconditional um the second part of that verse says but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother that is that unconditional friendship that friend that sticks closer than a brother that that's what god is saying um and God just has that friendship for us and desires for spouses to have that unconditional Ahab friendship. Yeah, that's, that means that it endures, that it continues right. on regardless of what may happen, regardless of what uh, good times, bad times, regardless of uh, how we may uh, feel at the moment, you know, all, all those different things. Because we, we need to understand how to endure some things together because this is about two becoming one, Right. And so with two becoming one, that means we're going to endure some things together. We've had plenty of things that we've had to endure through life. Like when our, uh, our twins were born, our eldest twin, Abigail, she uh, had a lot of health issues. And we were uh, in the NICU uh, at Children's Hospital you know, for quite a few weeks. And um, actually, when she was metaflighted to Children's Hospital, um, she was actually declared dead seven different times on that helicopter flight. And um, even beyond that, they said she's going to have a kind of brain damage, not going to be able to walk, talk, not going to be able to look you in the eye. And, and then they were giving us worst-case scenarios because of how traumatic uh, of, of an illness that she had. And, um, but, but God did a miracle in Abigail. She runs around church, walks and talks just like a normal six-year-old girl, has no problems at all. Praise God for that. But during that time, there were a lot of question marks. Didn't know. I mean, there were years, actually, of question marks right. where we, we didn't know. We just had to, you know, trust that, you know, God, uh, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts and put our trust and our faith and our hope in him. And, uh, and, and thank God that, uh, you know, she's healed and whole. But there, were a lot of, there was a lot of fear there because during that time we were having financial problems. Right. We were planting a church in Texas. And you had your job. That was definitely one of the yeah. hardest times in our 12 and a half years of marriage. Um, not only because it's your baby, but just because 
you know, we had to be strong for each other. And I think God put us together because where he's weak, I'm strong. Where I'm weak, he's strong. And during that time, you know, I would just be down. And I'm like, what's the point of praying? You know, every time I pray, something bad happens to her. And, you know, he's there quoting scripture and just pumping me up and helping me to regain that faith. And at the same time, he would, you know, get discouraged. And I just don't know what's going to happen to our baby girl. And, you know, I was there for him. And um, yeah, we had uh, we had financial troubles then too. Yeah, he you had your you had started a job. Yep. And um, you know, if you start a business, it's it's not always easy at first. Right. We went through a lot of financial hardships. I worked at a clinic uh, forty plus hours a week, making seven dollars and fifty cents an hour. And sometimes that was all we made and, because right. my business. I was supporting yeah. a family of five on seven dollars and fifty cents yeah. an hour. So yeah, it was it was tough, and and yeah. I was at home running my business from the house. And sometimes my customers would pay me, sometimes they wouldn't. I mean, if you've ever owned a business, you understand what I'm talking about. And, uh, and, but I was running mine out of my home, and uh, there would be really good times where we would do well, and then it would be like nothing. And um, I was having to answer the phone and deal with customers, and I've got three babies at home because we couldn't afford childcare because it didn't make sense to go and pay a babysitter because that would have been all of her check would have been consumed with, with childcare. And I know some of you guys are like, yeah, I feel you on that. And, and, and those are hard things and difficult times. And I would allow financial pressures to uh, make me angry. Um, I, was, I was getting very angry at uh, the kids because, you know, I was looking for somebody to blame. Uh, I would get angry at God, get angry at you, um, you know. And, um, and, and I was just really down on myself. I'd go through a lot of emotional junk. Where I was just constantly living in fear with knots in my stomach. And, 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 and I'm going, God, I moved here for you. I moved here to plant a church for you. Don't you see what I'm doing for you? What are you going to do for me? And that's kind of where I was. And that's what I was dealing with. And through all that, she kept just uh, kept her nose to the grindstone and just kept picking me up when I was down. And, and uh, God bless you for that, by the way. Thank you. Um, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be who I am today without Holly and how strong that she's been when I've been absolutely all over the place. You know, she's, she's definitely been a rock. And, 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 and even when we felt like we were uh, wanting to spend time together and when we felt like we didn't, when we enjoyed being around one another and when we didn't, right? Right. And through all that, we realized, you know, friendship is not a feeling and love is not a feeling. A lot of times we confuse love with feelings and whenever things are going bad and we don't feel all ooey gooey and lovey dovey, we're like, well, we're not in love anymore. You know, maybe we should take a break, separate, cool things down. And you know, it, it's not a feeling. Um, a lot of problems come from never expressing those feelings. You know, if, if I'm upset and I'm something like that, I need to express that to him and I go to him and say, hey, you know, we haven't had a good talk. We haven't been spending time together. You've had meetings. The kids have been sick. I got sick. You know, just things happen. Yeah. And um, even, you know, for him, a lot of times uh, we need to express how we feel sexually in a marriage. I know um, a lot of times, me as a wife, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what he's feeling. I don't know what he's thinking. I have three kids. I'm concerned about what's going on with them. You know, how are they doing in school? What's for dinner? And the last thing I'm thinking about is my husband and his feelings. And, you know, whenever you come to me and say, hey, I've been frustrated or this is how I feel, I'm like, oh, I didn't know. I can, you know, rectify that. Best time to have that talk, by the way, <laughs> is when you're on a long road trip. And if the man's driving and he's sleepy, bring that up. Start talking about it. He'll wake right up, and I guarantee you'll get to your destination faster than you had originally <laughs> intended to. So, uh, so just trying to help you guys out there with that one. 
Um, you, you know, love isn't a feeling. Sometimes you, you feel, sometimes you don't. It's, it, what it is, is it's, it's a decision. We have to make that decision. So go ahead and turn in your Bibles, if you have them with you, to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And uh, this is the Bible describing what love is and how it is a decision. I'll let you read that. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4 says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Each of those is a decision that we have to make daily. Um, love isn't how you feel. It is a decision. You know, uh, love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Those are decisions that we have to make. And, you know, it's not always easy to make those decisions, especially when you don't feel like it. But because of that unconditional love, you know, we can decide. Yeah, absolutely. It's the, uh, didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's Sorry. Okay. Um, but uh, um, friendship is, is, is a decision. It's a faith decision. It's a decision that we make to trust in one another to, you know, to say, okay, this is a decision I'm going to make even if I don't feel like being your friend right now. I don't even want to be in the same room right now. You know what I'm talking about? And you go, but I'm going to make this decision in faith even when I don't feel like making it. Because it's not about my feelings. You see, the thing is, is that with our spouse, we need to understand we need to be completely transparent with our spouse. And that's that level of trust. That's that level of, okay, this isn't how I feel. It's not that I feel like sharing this with you or I feel like talking to you. It's that we're completely transparent. And you have to be careful what we invest in our Rhea friends. I want you to understand this. Your buddy, companion, Rhea friends, you've got to be careful about what level of transparency that you have with them because the highest level of transparency that you and I have needs to be between us and God and us and our Heb spouse partner. Amen, somebody? Amen. If you're not careful, what will happen is that you're frustrated about something you're not being transparent with your spouse about. So you find a co-worker at work, maybe somebody who's the opposite sex that you can talk to, maybe a, a guy or a girl that you're talking to that understands you, that gets you, and you begin to tell them things you're not telling your spouse, that you're not working through with your spouse. You're telling this person all these things, then guess what happens? You open the door because you're treating this person who's a Rhea friend, you're treating them like they're in a Heb covenant friend, and then now you begin to develop feelings for this person that aren't in the order of God that are outside of his desire, outside of his order, because this is your Ahab partner. This is the person you're supposed to be having these conversations with, the person you're supposed to be sharing these things with, because this is the deepest level of friendship, the deepest level of intimacy you're supposed to know. And when you start having those conversations, next thing you know, you're opening up your emotions and your mind to go down a dark path that's going to cause a lot of problems in your marriage. Because you're treating someone that is supposed to be a Rhea friend like they're an Ahab friend. You only have one, a head friend, other than God, and that's your spouse. Amen? Mm, I said amen, somebody. Amen. We only have one, a head friend, only one covenant partner. Make sure that you guard that. You have to guard that relationship. You have to guard your spouse's heart. I went to the um, No Regrets Men's Conference yesterday in, uh, at, at Elmbrook Church, and one of the sessions that I went to was called Cover Her. 
and it was talking about how we need to cover our uh, daughters and our spouse and make them feel secure and make them feel loved. And it was kind of reiterating what I was going to share at church, and that was that we need to guard our spouse's heart. And we do that by guarding our own heart. We do that by guarding our heart, making sure that we stay away from the appearance of evil, making sure that we are building that trust and investing in that trust and investing in that relationship, not doing things to tear it down or to make cracks in the relationship. Because when there's cracks and there's places where we don't trust one another, guess what happens? We begin to question things and, and, and we begin to imagine things and things come in our mind and then we begin to assume and accuse and we begin to get very uh, insecure in our feelings towards one another and our level of trust. And when we do that, that's where we start having problems. So we have to constantly invest. Um, go ahead and go to um, the 141st Psalm. We'll also put it up on the screen for you. Um, Psalm 141 and verse 3 says this. It says, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works with men who work iniquity, and do not let me eat out of their delicacies. Let the righteous strike me, it shall be a kindness. Let him rebuke me, it shall be as excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it, for still my prayer is against the deeds of the wicked. Their judges are overthrown by the sides of a cliff, and they hear my words, for they are sweet. Our bones are scattered at the mouth of the grave, and when one plows and breaks up the earth. But my eyes are upon you, O God, the Lord. In you I take refuge. Do not leave my soul destitute. Keep me from the snares they have laid for me, and from the traps of the workers of iniquity. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I escape safely. And, and this scripture here in the psalm is saying to guard what's in your, what, what comes out of your mouth. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Set a guard over my heart where I allow myself to go emotionally, where I allow myself to go physically. Set a guard over these things. And one of the things here that it says that a lot of people will want to just brush by is in verse 5 where it says, Let the righteous strike me. It'll be a kindness. Let them rebuke me. It'll be as an excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it. In other words, it's saying, Hey, if I'm going in a direction I don't need to go, say something about it. Do something, and that needs to happen in the context of our relationship to guard one another, to protect one another. Hey, if I'm, if I'm getting in error or something, if I'm starting to do something, say something to me. I trust you. I need that from you. I need that accountability. That is part of us guarding one another's heart. So what are some ways that you and I guard one another's heart? Um, I would say the biggest one would be honesty. When we were dating, one thing that I was big on was us just being honest no matter how uh, awkward or embarrassing it may be, we just should always be open and transparent with one another. Um, you know, when you come to me and, and tell me things and you're just honest, it, it brings me security and makes me feel like I can trust you more. And I think that that's um, one of the biggest yeah, ways we'll, to guard my heart. Right, we'll be, and we're honest about like our money. Um, we don't have secret spending things unless it's like a gift. Not a gift for me, you know, I mean, that would be, you know, secretly spending money for myself. That's not how it works. Um, but, but if I'm, you know, secretly spending money for her, I might not let her know, you know, but... Um, we don't we, have separate accounts. We yeah, don't we don't, yeah, yeah, we don't, we don't hide things from one another. It's not like, oh, he's spending money on this or, you know, he doesn't want to tell me about that or what was this for, you know, and all that. We, we, we are honest. We, Even with text messages, emails, we don't go and delete them and we don't hide things. We're 
very yeah. honest and open. Can, I, I want to help you out just a little bit on that. I'm glad you said that. Um, with text messages, when you text your spouse, you can't text tone, okay? Um, you can't text um, a tone of, of delivering a message to someone. You can only text words. Words can be taken a lot of different ways. Amen, somebody. Amen. You, can't, you can't communicate tone in an email. Um, so don't get in a texting argument with your spouse. That's goofy. <laughs> it is. You're going to cause a lot of problems and a lot of hurt, a lot of assumption. You need to talk so you can see one another, so you can have a conversation, hear the tone in the voice, see, look them in the eye, see their expression, see their reaction, not just over a text message or have an email war or Facebook war or something stupid like that. A lot of problems could be avoided if we would stay away from those things as a form of trying to work through issues. Mm -hmm. That was for free. That wasn't even on. And I, on that note, also don't go blast your spouse on Facebook. Hello. Um, I have been upset with you, I know. And, you know, you just want to get up there and rant and, uh. There's being so wonderful today. Yep, that's what it was. And, you know, no matter what you always want to protect your spouse because you may not always feel that aggravated or you may not always feel that frustrated but that's out there for the world to see so you know always protect your spouse even no matter how you feel that's right that's a good way to guard one another's heart um another way that we do that is through communication we're real open and honest about how we feel how we think you know what's going on in our lives and in our relationship because men we need to bring our wives security Hello, somebody. We need to bring our wives security. Our, our wives need that from us. They're looking for that from us. And we need to make sure we communicate. And that's something that I'm trying to improve on with, with our marriage, for sure. Um, like, uh, you know, if I'm going to be running later than I thought uh, from a meeting or something like that, or, you know, um, just the fact of me being a pastor, sometimes I have to meet with people of the opposite sex. I always have accountability there. I don't do that alone. And she knows that, but I still let her know, hey, I'm going to have a meeting with so-and-so, or I'm, I'm going to go and do this, and I'm thinking I'll be back around this time. And I'm trying to make sure that I do that, that I communicate those things to her, and that she's not wondering, is he stuck in a ditch, you know, whatever the case may be. That's just a way to bring her security, you know, and, and see that I am a, a man of my word. We had something happen last night um, that um, may be a good example that, I don't know, just kind of got... Uh, corrected by my son and my wife and the Lord on. Um, one of the things last night, my son came up to me. We went out to eat at Wendy's after church, and uh, he wanted to watch wrestling um, and, uh, on, on Hulu uh, Plus, and, and we can watch the old wrestling. And, and he was so excited to get to watch it. He said, Dad, can we watch it? And I said, well, maybe. And I was thinking we we're going to get home a little earlier, but we ended up staying out a little, a, a little later. So by the time we got home, it was time to go to bed. And when I when I got home, my son tells my wife, he says, uh, he says, Mom, he said, he said uh, I know when Dad says maybe a lot of times that that means no. And I said, oh, man, it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. And my wife kind of, we sat down and talked about that afterwards and said, you know, we need to let our yes be yes and our no be no. And, uh, and she brought that correction to me, and I received that because it was done in love. And I'm going, you know what, you're right. I don't need to tell my kid maybe in that situation because, you know what, there was, it was a very small maybe. I, didn't want, I don't need to give him that false hope that he might get to watch a little bit of television. No, it's going to be late. It's after church. We know we're going to get home later instead of us thinking, oh, maybe we can get home in time to watch 30 minutes or so of, of that wrestling show that he wanted to watch. Just need to go ahead and tell him, no, watch it tomorrow. You and know? what I had said was, 
under promise and over deliver. If yeah. you would have told him, you know, we're probably not going to have time, but that you come home and we do, that's that's wonderful. He'll be so stoked. But doing the opposite just tears, you know, especially yeah. a kid, but even your spouse, you know, always under promise and over deliver. Yeah, that's a great way to guard one another's heart and especially guard those relationships. And so that's something that, that I'm growing in and working on. Um, but uh, um, there was a situation where uh, when we first got married um, that you and I, uh, that I communicated something to you that was maybe a little awkward or uncomfortable, but tell the folks about that story. Oh, that sorry. One. I was like, which one? That one on the <laughs> that the, the one that's on the notes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was close to his birthday, and uh, Yahoo had sent him a birthday card, uh, which was a pornographic birthday card. And I had come home yeah. from work, and he said, hey, honey, I just want to show you this before I delete it so you know what it was that I saw. And um, so I, watched, I saw it. I watched him delete it. And then he said, now I want to show you the email that I sent back to Yahoo. Um, and it just said, you know, I, get, I don't appreciate this. I'm a pastor. Um, I don't look at this. You shouldn't assume that just because I'm a male that I do. And please don't send me any uh, this type of stuff again. And, um, you know, that built a lot of trust there that I know that if anything comes up that he's going to be transparent. He's going to show me. And that just showed me that he is a true man of integrity that, you know, he is always going to do the right thing even when I'm not there because he could have saved it in one of his files and looked at it whenever he wanted to. But because he, you know, went the extra mile, he showed it to me, he, I got to watch him delete it. That just spoke volumes to me as a wife. And, and on that note, you know, the, the Internet's a dangerous place. You're all very much aware of that. Over 75% of the Internet is nothing but straight pornography. Uh, I used to be a web designer. Um, that was my business I started in Texas, and sometimes I would be doing searches or image searches for different things and getting ideas um, to try to build a website or something, you know, and, and I would stumble across, you know, a pornographic image in like a Google search or something like that. Every time I, I did when I was doing that business, I would always let Holly know about it. I, um, guys, let me help you out. You need to stay transparent with your wife or, or wives if you struggle with pornography. You need to be transparent with your husbands. Don't think you're all slick and smooth by going off and deleting your history and, um, you know, like hiding all that stuff and clearing your browser and all this stuff. You need, to, you need to just get out there on the table and talk about it and figure out how to work through this together. And you need to, you need to repent. You need to figure out how to get through this, have accountability set in place. If that means that uh, you, you got to limit time uh, to computer only when the spouse is around, whatever the case may be. Um, yesterday, it was funny at the men's conference. One of the preachers was obviously a well-to-do guy. He obviously, you know, was uh, uh, had, had some money. Uh, you could just tell with uh, the way that he, he he dressed himself and he had. Uh, anyway, uh, he he was talking about pornography and he said he said if you guys need to go take that computer and throw it in your pool, I'm like. First, get a pool. Yeah. Yeah, if you struggle with pornography, go throw it in the pool. Have your butler throw it in the fire and, uh, you know. Yeah, exactly. So if you guys struggle with porn, go have your butler do something with the computer and destroy it. So I just thought that was a little irrelevant there. But um, just keeping, keeping that transparency and those open lines of communication there, I think that that's huge. And uh, even if it's something that, that, that is embarrassing, even if it's something that you may be ashamed of, whatever the case is, keeping that communication open, it's huge. Right. You gotta have that, and, and you're supposed to have that in the context of this Ahab relationship. No secrets. You know, and one of the other things that we do is we're considerate of one another. That's how we guard one another's heart, is that we consider one another's feelings, we consider one another's 
um, likes and dislikes. I don't believe that marriage is 50-50. I believe marriage is 100% on both ends. I believe that it's 100-100. And I believe we're supposed to be 100% transparent with our spouse. We're supposed to give 100%, and they're supposed to do the same in return. It's 100%, 100% on both ends. And I need to hold up my end of the bargain regardless of what she does. Right? I need to give 100% regardless of how my spouse responds. It's not a conditional thing. I'll give you 100% if you give me 100%. No, I'm going to give you 100% regardless of what you decide to give me. I'm going to be 100% transparent regardless of what you decide to give me. Why? What does this do, folks? This paints the perfect picture of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Because did God give us 50%? No. He gave us everything. Sometimes we give him 50% and think that that's good enough. But he said, no, I'm wanting 100%. I'm wanting all of you. And, and that's the perfect picture of this Ahab covenant relationship that we're supposed to have with God and what we have with one another as husband and wife. And that can only happen in the context of marriage, that deep relationship. And we have to be considerate of one another, one another's feelings. Don't say things that you know are going to push your spouse's buttons or, go, you know, or, or going to hurt their feelings. You know, if you can bring up this, this story or that story or I'll try to put you down or I'll try to you know, uh, manipulate excuse me, manipulate you so I can get my way. That's so selfish. That's not giving 100%. That's me just trying to get my way and me trying to use things I know that will get you emotionally riled up so I can get my way. And and we have to be considerate of one another. That's how we guard one another's heart. And we have to invest in our friendship. I think one of the biggest mistakes that couples make is they stop investing in their friendship. Because what happens is that kids come along, jobs come along, we get busy, we end up being um, a taxi cab, for children, we end up being people that are working, you know, 8, 10, 12 hours a day. We come home, we're spent. Your kids might be involved in everything that the school has to offer. And you've got to watch that. You've got to stop. You've got to say no because you've got to guard your spouse's heart. You've got to invest in your friendship. And you've got to stop. You've got to slow down. You never stop, no matter how busy you are. No matter how important people at work may want to make you feel, there is no job you have that is more important than your friendship with, first of all, God, that Aheb covenant relationship, and secondly, our Aheb covenant relationship with our spouse, right? And and we've got to continually invest in that. Problems come from not investing in that. Because when the kids are out of the house, a lot of couples look at each other and go, I don't know what to do with you. I don't know what to do with you either. I don't even know you. Why? Because they've grown apart, because they haven't invested in their friendship. They haven't invested in their getting to know one another. Because that's really what that means, is that you're just always getting to know one another. I mean, I'm still amazed at things that I learn about you, quite frankly. Right. Yeah. And And I you. Thank you. That's what I was waiting for. I knew. Okay. Pause there. Sure, sure. And, and, And there's a lot of ways that we do that. Yeah, um, date night is a big deal. And we, or day date. Yeah, we take uh, day dates a lot um, just because we have that time during the day. And a lot of times at night we're busy. Uh, you know, we have church things. We're tired. Just, you know, things come up at night, so it's easier for us to take a day date. But just spending that time together and, you know, being together and spending quality time together are two separate things. Um, I know we watched a movie the other night. It was two hours long. And um, afterwards, I was like, you know, I just really want to spend time with you. He was like, well, we just spent two hours together. We watched G.I. Joe, right? You said you weren't going to say that. (laughs) Oh. Yes, we watched G.I. Joe. But. um, Blow stuff up. The Rock. What was up with Channing Tatum in that movie? This made me sad. Anyways, I'm sorry. 
just go anyway. on. Just go on. <laughs> but I was like, no, that quality time, that us sitting and talking and spending quality time together. Yes, we can be in the same room, but that doesn't mean that we're spending time together, especially if you have kids. You know, you're together for hours and hours, but there's kids, mommy, daddy, mommy, daddy, mommy, mommy, mommy. <laughs> that's what it you is. You guys should see when we come up here to practice, okay? We come up here and practice at 4.30 on Saturday for service to do music and stuff. Oh, kids, mommy, mommy, mommy. We're like, okay, sit down. You know, leave your mom alone. What, can I help you with something? No. Oh, mommy, 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 yep. But anyway, you can get caught up in thinking that you're spending time together and you're really not. You're that's really right. not connecting on that level that you need to be. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, ab- Absolutely. You know, I, I, I think that the important thing is that, you know, uh, we need to understand that where and what we're spending our time on is what we're really investing in. What are we investing in? Are we investing in that friendship? Are we investing in that relationship? And there's different ways that we do that, you know, through our mutual interests or, uh, you know, through common ground. Not just things that I like to do. Like uh, I tried to get Holly uh, to play Call of Duty with me a few years back. Yeah, it didn't work. Um, she didn't like that, and uh, I wanted her so badly to like that and, and, and want to do that with me. And she's like, no, I need to take Grandma me before I play this game. And, um, I couldn't turn the gun and the view at the same time. It, yeah, it was the two-stick thing. I know, honey, it's okay. It's but she likes Super Mario, and so that's awesome. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to go take out the evil Russians, and she's wanting to take out the evil mushroom guys. So, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's great, and we, we enjoy that. Because I, I used to own a, a vintage video game business. It was an online business back when I did my website stuff, too. And so I still kept a lot of that stuff. And yes. we play some of those games. And, and, and we enjoy you know, playing video games, watching movies together, things like that. Um, but we had to find common ground. It's not just all about her wanting to do what I want to do. And, well, if she doesn't want to do, do what I want to do, then I isolate her. No, <laughs> there's things that we need to invest in that are common interests. So we find those things. And we have to talk to discover those things, Okay. Talking is a common interest that most people have. Most people use words to communicate. And so because of that, you know, try that. That's a good one, to just talk. Just talk and, and, and to also listen to one another. And, uh, you know, my wife and I, we like to go to uh, theme parks together. We're, before we had kids, we were crazy theme park junkies. It slowed down a little bit because of kids, but as they get older, we know we're going to get back into it. When they get like, you know, you have to be this tall to ride this ride, then it's going to be like, it's on now. Um, we love theme parks. Um, when we were youth pastors in Oklahoma, we had season passes to Six Flags, and we were only an hour and a half from uh, the Six Flags in Dallas, Texas, and we'd go there. We would go to Six Flags in um, San Antonio, mm-hmm. um, and we would just, would just stay there all day. I remember one time we didn't have Sunday night service at our church in Oklahoma. And we looked at each other and said, hey, you want to go to Six Flags? Sure, why not? And, I mean, we just used to do stuff like that all the time. We like going to Bucks games together. That's yes. oh, a sad year, though. But it's, don't, that's another sermon for another day. Um, but we enjoy those things. We, we enjoy water parks together, you know. And, and, uh, now. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, but anyways, um, we, we just find common interests that we have, and, and not everything we do has to be big and extravagant like that because those things cost a lot of money. Um, but one of our favorite things to do together is to just take a road trip, you know, and uh, just drive. Um, we, we, we just love to drive. Uh, her uh, family in uh, Arkansas is about a 14-hour drive from here, and so every time we go see them, we always drive because it's way too expensive to fly. 
So we get in the car and we love those times because we, we, we figure out all the world's problems. Yeah, we, yep. we figure everything out. I mean, by the time we get out of that car, man, we have solutions for everything. World hunger, not an issue anymore. <laughs> um, you know, uh, we've invented things. Um, you know, I remember we were talking about some way to invent a heated driveway so we didn't have to shovel snow. We figured that one out on this last trip. You know, just uh, stuff like that. We're getting ready for Shark Tank. Yeah, yeah, we're trying to get ready for, for, for our, to pitch that on Shark Tank. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but we love doing those things. They're just simple things, you know, um, where we talk, where uh, when we go out to eat uh, together and it's just her and I. We put our phones down. Phones down. We're not going to sit there and go, so, what are you ordering? I don't know. What are you going to order? Did you see this thing on Facebook? No, I didn't see it on Facebook. I'm looking at something else right now. I'm playing Angry Birds. You're disconnected, man. Right? You're not communicating. You're not talking. You're not investing. You're just breathing the same air. Put it down and invest. Right? Turn the TV off and invest. Put the book down and invest. Put the phone down and invest. And just begin to do simple things like talk. Because here's the beauty of true friendship. Rudy, the, the, the beauty. Did I say the booty of true friendship? You said the booty. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's a different sermon. That's next week. But <laughs> anyway, anyway, the beauty, the, the beauty of friendship. <laughs> oh, man. Is it hot in here? Can you guys turn on some air for me? <laughs> Anyways, the beauty of friendship is uh, Jesus loves you. Um, <laughs> endures. Endures. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> is that it endures. Here's the thing we need to understand. The thing we need to understand is, is that true friendship is going to glorify God because our relationship with God is this Ahab relationship, this covenant commitment, this covenant connection, and that should be reflecting our covenant connection, our covenant relationship with God. Because God endures all things. He never fails. He is always there. We need to always be there and always be glorifying Him through, even though we go through adversity, we're still there. We're still connected. We're still committed. And only, only in the instance of two people becoming one before God in the covenant of marriage is this possible. It's not possible any other way. True friendship is strongest and only available in the covenant of marriage. That's the reason that a head friendship can only be shared in a covenant marriage between one man and one woman the way God designed it and intended for it to be. I want you to understand something, that friends with benefits and live-in lovers are not the order God set things up. That's out of God's order. And is God wanting to come down on me? Is God wanting to... Um, is God wanting to restrict my fun? Is He wanting to somehow limit me? No, it's not that God's wanting to limit you. He's telling you this is the best way. Why? Because it's going to bring the most glory to Him. This is the way that brings most glory to Him. The other is more selfish in nature. This brings glory to Him. Because here's the thing. For our relationships to glorify God, we need to bring in the security of a marriage covenant. And if you're not married and you're in that type of situation... It's time for you to recognize that that's error. It's out of God's order. And we need to repent. We need to move out from living together with one another. We need to stop the fornication. 
Fornication means any sexual contact outside of the bounds of a covenant marriage. Stop fornication. Stop the sexual contact. Then we need to ask God, is this the person, the covenant marriage partner you have for me? If you don't do that, you're setting yourself up for a lot of problems, lack of commitment, a lot of frustration. And you're going to want to say, I, I don't understand why it's this way. I don't understand what's going on. It's because we're out of order. God has an order set up not to restrict you but to bless you because any blessing you get from submitting to the order of God is really secondary to the purpose of it because the original purpose is to glorify God. So if a marriage covenant is supposed to bring glory to God, any personal benefit that I get from it is secondary. So if I'm doing something that's not glorifying God, then I'm not going to be under any blessing. I'm not going to receive the benefits from that. It's going to be me pursuing my flesh and being selfish. It's going to be me trying to do things my way and thinking that my way is better than God's way, thus exalting my thoughts and my values above God's thoughts and God's values because this is the way God says that you bring glory to me. And there's no other way to bring glory to God other than one man, one woman in the covenant of marriage. Anything else is fornication. Anything else is... It is a form of sin that God is saying, you're out of my order. And so we need to repent. We need to get out of that. We need to move out unless we're married. And we need to say, okay, listen, here's the deal. For me to glorify God, I've got to submit to his ways. And it's not this try each other out thing either that people say all the time. Hello, somebody. Oh, we're going to try each other out. How do I know if they're any good? You're basically saying you're some kind of amazing lover, apparently, that you have to try people out to see if they're any good, if you're compatible for each other. Everything changes when you become a dad. Let's look at this through the lens of a dad who has a daughter, like I have two daughters. Now let's say some young man comes knocking on my door. Hello, sir, Mr. Armstrong. I just want you to know I'm an incredible lover. I'm in search for someone who can be compatible with me. And guess what? Your daughter made the list. I would like for you to give me permission to go try her out for a little while. And if we're compatible after we sleep together and after we live together, then maybe I might marry her. But if she's not, I'll send her back to you hurt, wounded, and frustrated, and angry. Is that okay with you? Yeah. I'm going to give him the five-knuckle shuffle. <laughs> I'm going to bop him right there. He will be out cold. All of my working out has been not just to get in shape. It has been to protect my family, to protect my daughters. I will bust you up. I will let him listen to this message. Here's the thing. Not the last part, we'll edit that part out. But <laughs> here's the thing. It's not about trying each other out. Doesn't that put it in a different perspective when you look at it through those lens, through the lens of a father? That, but that's what men are saying because even though she may be an adult, she's still somebody's daughter. Right? Still a lady that needs to be treated with respect. And if he doesn't have enough respect to want to wait until marriage for, before they have sex, then he's saying, I know better than God, and I just want to try her out. I just want to see if we're compatible, see if this is going to work. 
And a lot of people want to do that because maybe they grew up in a home where there was divorce and they don't want to see that happen. And so we've got to try everything about one another out, see if we're compatible. No. Is the marriage founded on God? Did God bring this person in your life? Is this someone that you can be a lifelong friend with? Is this someone you enjoy being with? Not just someone that looks good that you want to sleep with. Hello, somebody. Is my union with this person going to glorify God? Is this person going, is this someone I can do life together with? That's why we need to take the weight of marriage and we, we, we need to understand the full weight of coming together to becoming one. And that it's just not something that we do lightly, not something we enter into lightly. And I thank God for you. I thank God for how you have always been there when I've been absolutely nuts and when I've been stupid and said stupid things, made dumb decisions as a leader of our home. And you have always stayed there and you, I think, have definitely made me a better pastor. She, she, she critiques my sermons. So if you enjoy my sermons... You can thank her and thank God because God put her in my life and she has helped make me a better person, make, make me a better man, make me a better father. Um, and I just, I, I think that that brings glory to God because you do that for me in, 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 our, in our friendship, in our, in our marriage. And I think that that's so important that we recognize that about one another and that that's glorifying God is what it's doing ultimately. It's bringing the most glory to God. And that can only happen in the context of marriage. Um, I, I, I know that a lot of people, maybe when you got married, maybe it wasn't under the best circumstances. Some people get married out of fear of maybe no one else accepting them or loving them. So they go, well, I guess this is who I'm going to have to end up marrying because nobody else wants me. And people make decisions like that. And, and if, you, if you made those decisions, you, you didn't have that friendship like what I'm describing. Guess what? You're married. Get to know one another. Talk. Invest. Don't give up. Don't just quit. Maybe you didn't get together in, in, in the right way. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's all kinds of negative things surrounding the way that you got together. Maybe there was a lot of sin involved in the way that you got together. Don't, 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 don't allow that to determine your future because God, He forgives us. Amen? Let's, let, let, let's repent together and let's move on. Let's, let, let, let's go forward and let's get to know one another. Let's not just give up because I didn't do things like so-and-so did or my marriage doesn't look like so-and-so's. I just want to throw my hands up in the air. No, I'm not going to give up. I'm in this for the long haul. I'm committed to this covenant marriage and I want to make this thing work. So I want to get to know you. Sit down with your spouse. What do you like? What do you not like? Let me give you a challenge this week. I want you to talk to your spouse and I want you to say... What are things you like doing? And I'd be willing to do those things. Like there's things that we do that, you know, I don't always like. Like Hobby Lobby? Just like Hobby Lobby. <laughs> I like hobbies. There's just way too much lobby for me in that store. It smells like my grandma's house. And um, now if you want to take me to Walmart, I mean, I'm from the South. I love Walmart. Walmart always makes its way into my sermons. So, um, I mean, we, but Hobby Lobby... On the other hand, not my favorite place in the world. But I want you to understand this. When you do things that maybe your spouse wants you to do that isn't your thing, do it with the right attitude. Thank you. Do it with the right attitude. Do it with the right attitude. Because here's, here's what's going to happen. 
you're going to build distance between the two of you if every time your spouse wants to go to Hobby Lobby and you want to go to Home Depot or wherever, and you, they, they, they want you to go to Hobby Lobby with them and you throw a fit, and you're like, oh, I don't want to go, and you try to make them miserable for even asking you to go with them, then what you're trying to do is you're trying to manipulate them. What you're trying to do is you're trying to make the experience of them asking you to do something you don't want to do so uncomfortable that they'll never ask you again. And you're just pushing them a little further away. So we need to go, we need to, we need to go with the right attitude, not the whole time we're there. You know, we do the heavy breathing thing. Like all of a sudden, breathing has become a struggle for us. I don't want to go, oh, I don't want to be here. I have stuff to do. I know, that's why I said it. Good interpretation of yourself. Whoa. So, hey, I, I do the best me. Um, but... You guys know that, I mean, regardless of what situation that, that they may be asking you to go be a part of, maybe you're, you know, they want to go enjoy doing something with you, do it with the right attitude because here's the thing. It's not necessarily what you're doing. It's who you're doing it with. It, it's not that you're going to Hobby Lobby. It's that I get to be with my wife. This is my best friend. This is my covenant partner. This is the person I enjoy being with more than anyone on the planet, and I'm going to make the choice to make this a, an enjoyable time for you. Because I'm going to prefer you over me. Right? Amen, somebody. High five somebody in there. I just feel like we need a high five. All right, there you go. I want you to just go ahead and, 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 and do that this week. Just go ahead and uh, find something that maybe you're not so keen on. And then find something that you both want to do together. Something you enjoy doing together. And, and it's both uh, something you both enjoy. You know, maybe it is take a drive. Maybe it is watch a movie. Whatever it is. Let's do that this week. Let's make that a priority this week, okay? I, I really hope that this, uh, th this sermon has helped you. I really appreciate you speaking with me. I know it's not your favorite thing to do, um, to, to do public speaking. It's the number one fear on the planet. Um, but my wife, you're second? Okay. But I think you're, uh, you're amazing for coming out here and speaking thank with you. me. So thank you. Would you let Holly know you appreciate her coming out here and speaking with me today? Her favorite thing is applause, too, by the way, and being recognized. No, <laughs> Would you bow your heads with me this morning? God, I thank you. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.